He's already an Olympic gold medalist, having achieved the pinnacle of his sport at the tender age of 22 in London in 2012. But he's no longer the wide-eyed rookie. And at 31, John Smith is now looking to drag the next generation of South Africa's rowers across the finish line as they go in search of gold in Tokyo. I catch him at the National Rowing Squad's training base in Lesotho as he prepares to tuck into his second breakfast of the day at 11 o'clock in the morning. We generally wake up uh, earlier, have sort of a, a bowl of oats. Um, today we run out of oats, we've had some, just some porridge. Um, off to the first session, which is generally either on the rowing machine or on the water. That takes sort of hour and a half to two hours. And then you want to, to replace. So then we back up second breakfast before. And then the middle session of the day, which is today's gym. And then we're going to have lunch. And then, yeah, so it's, we do a lot of eating. That's, that's part of the game. You need to maybe putting in a lot of calories just to, to maintain the, the big loads. Um, something we, we enjoy to eat a lot of food. So this is obviously, in. would you say this is in-competition training and this is kind of how your day looks? And, and maybe let, let's go back a bit and start with, you know, what time do you get up in the morning and uh, and have that bowl of oats? Things just, it, it varies now. Currently, we're in the Sutu and the, the weather's really cold. It's been, we've got you sort of in the snow. Um, so now we've, we've pushed our training day a bit back. So we only train until 9 o'clock so we get the warmer weather. So on this, on this camp, we've been waking up sort of 8 o'clock, getting that... The, the ball of oats in and then on the water bath was nine. But through the through the summer season in South Africa we we're sort of waking up six o'clock, having that having that first meal on the way to, to the rain dam. And then so yeah, the time the time shift changes, but the, the sort of four big meals a day, they don't go anywhere. And what else besides oats are you are you eating to replenish and, and give you that energy to, to, to hit the water or the ergo or the gym session? The morning meal is pretty standard. Um, the first meal of the day, generally, I either a bowl of oats or we have the future life, a uh, cup of coffee, something something basic, not not overly massive, so you don't don't have too much troubles in the first session. But then once you once you get off that that session, trying to look for something something bigger, maybe more nutritious. Yeah, in the suits we're doing sort of the eggs and bacon, um, peanut butter toast with it, guys. Are, I'm one of the smaller guys. It's probably only having four slices of bread with some eggs and some bacon. The bigger guys are having six, six to eight. It's crazy. The, what what the guys can consume it blows my mind. Also, sometimes we when we in Victoria, then we'll go to sort of a restaurant. So sometimes we go to Spur get the get the breakfast. The guys are ordering two, three breakfasts. That Spur breakfast that is sort of two eggs, bacon, chips. They're ordering two of them and a milkshake. It's, guys can <laughs> guys can put it away. It's crazy. Um, I'm sort of ordering sort of two two of those breakfasts, maybe a milkshake or a cup of tea or something like that. But uh, we all we all know what's sort of what's decent to eat. We try try stay away from the junk, but we we less we less stress. We try putting more good stuff than bad stuff. So we're not we're not angels what we eat, but we we try we try our best to try get in the the good stuff when we can. And also obviously post training protein protein shakes. If we can't get the the meal, but we prioritize, prioritize food first over sort of protein shakes and all of those things. Protein shakes only for convenience. You can't get the meal sort of within that half an hour gap of of training. So come on, who the who are those big eaters in the in, in the national rowing squad? You have to name and shame them. Uh, probably our biggest eater is Carl Scumbi. He rows the the four man boat behind me. Um, I've seen him do crazy things. This man, he's, he puts it away, and then also. Jake Green has his moments where he can also have 
giant meals, Lawrence Britain, um, but Carl's definitely our, our number one of of how much food someone can can eat. His his daily meal have he'll wake up and he'll eat something, and then second breakfast a slice of toast with peanut butter and a bowl of a bowl of multipella. <laughs> I don't know what world he lives in, but he's a he's a machine, um, unbelievably strong. So. But I trust him what he needs to do. He, he has to have eight slices of toast to produce what he has to produce. That's, that's him because he's, he's also he's a lot bigger than me. So 90, 92 kilos, I'm only an 80 kilo man. So we're not, we're not consuming the same. Do you think it's, it's something that perhaps the average sports fan or in South Africa doesn't realize is, 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 is what goes into the whole rowing commitment? I mean, you've obviously you, you, you've detailed the, the food and consumption that you need to have the energy, but that commitment to, to the rowing training and the, and the long hours that you put in? So the training commitment's big. It's, uh, we do a lot of sort of steady state miles. It's uh, seven days a week, maybe first Sunday also. We're training day in, day out. Um, we're three weeks off a year, and those three weeks off in September, so I've actually haven't had a December holiday in sort of 12 years, 13 years since I've been training here. Every December, we take the rowing machine down, some some weight plates, some bars, and we're training right through December, sort of twice a day, most days. Christmas, we're training twice. New Year's, we're training twice. It's Because um, that's the only way to get results. Everybody in the world that's at the top level is putting in these these big hours, even through the the, the December. So there's no there's no getting around the work. You need to do the work to, to get the results. Um, so, yeah, and now as the season... Um, early season, it's a lot of steady state miles, and then as we come closer to racing, it's just the coaches ramp up the intensity, and now there's sort of there's a big, big work session every day, so it's 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 not easy. But no, no sport is. It's just the nature of the sport that is sort of you have to put in huge, huge hours to to get the results. It takes a special type of person, then, John. I would say. I mean, you have to be. I would argue you have to be slightly moggy to to. To, to go the rowing route and and to and to put in those hours because I mean it's it's one thing to have a, a you know a physical commitment but mentally as well you've got to be a, t- a certain type of person I would imagine yeah you gotta you gotta love the pain and you gotta love <laughs> you gotta love the sport and also gotta, I don't think you you gotta have a few screws loose as well if you speak about the day day out it's just so religious you speak about the mind numbing miles that you gotta just you gotta get through the work. Um, but they also say like people in sport think we're always super motivated. I tell guys I, I quit at least twice a week when the program's ramped up. It's really, it's really not easy. But you, you just keep coming back for for that taste of victory. It's, we compete against each other sort of two, three times a week, and even to win there, that's just what we live for. I just live to to keep winning, whether it be at home or overseas, um, to taste that glory. It's, something sort of an addiction that we just keep chasing as a, a sportman so if you have to have a few screws loose john then then, then give us some insight into into the john smith psyche then because uh, you know yourself better than anyone else you know what is it that you've got that and and, and what which screws are loose in your head that 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 make you so committed to the sport all these years later i mean let's go back i mean you won you know lightweight coxless gold in london nine years ago and here you are 31 still doing it so so what's going on in that head of yours my biggest thing is that i have to be the the hardest working athlete that is on the team or in the world i just all the time just pushing the boundaries if it is um, a lot of time when we're training by ourselves or i just try to keep pushing maybe a little bit further than everyone else would 
So I'm not uh, currently I'm doing the, the heavyweight categories. I'm probably one of the, I am probably the smallest competitor on the start line for 80 kilos. A lot of the guys are 90 to 100 kilos. Uh, so a lot, lot taller than me. So my big thing is I have to, I'm not the strongest. Um, I have to outwork them. I have to train better than them. I'm pushing. If I can do a little bit extra here, like these people like champions do extra, I have to keep, I keep pushing myself in the holidays on this when, when I know that maybe everyone's just doing the bare minimum to get through the holidays, I'm pushing. I'm saying how much can I do? Can I push the limits? Um, just to, just to keep myself in the shot. And I've sort of been nurtured like that from a young age, going with sort of Matthew Britton, his way in that falls they, they taught me really how to trade and how to, how to push the body, sort of how to want more than anyone else because in this game, the more you do, the, the better you're going to be. So you, you've got to, got to have the work ethic and you can't be well uh, when you're sitting there doing, when you think you're done, I'm like, I've got to do two more Ks. I have, I have to do this if I want to be the best. Um, and that's, and then also then coming back the next day and just having to, to do the grind. It's, um, you can't be, you can't be all right in the head, I think, to, to put these hours in and also Christmas day, everyone's having Christmas lunch and you back your heads that I come in the afternoon and I have to push the miles, otherwise I can't be number one. And it's, even if you miss that session, we, we speak about, it's not gonna change, it's not gonna make the difference between winning the gold and losing the gold, but it's gonna change the, the mindset of am I the hardest working athlete in the world? Um, and that's, that's, that's the way I like to approach training. I have to, I have to be on the limit all the time. And we speak also, people think um, sort of elite athletes are very consistent. I'm not a consistent athlete. I'm not. I'm pushing, I'm pushing the limits every day. And yeah, every now and again, I'm, I come unglued and I go home and I speak to my wife and I'm like, Nadine, this, I'm, I can't do this anymore. This thing is, I'm dead. I don't know how I'm going to come back. And he just tells me, don't worry, you've got this. Just rest, come back tomorrow. You just, you just keep going. No one will outwork you. John, I want to go back right to the start and, and, and start with, right at the start, with a question that how does a boy from Germiston end up in the rowing space? Because I, I, didn't, I didn't think that Germiston perhaps was a rowing hotbed of talent. Is that right? So I was born in Germiston, but then when I was living in Brackman most of my life. And then what happened is my brothers went to Boxwood High and they were big into sort of the athletics and my brothers played a lot of rugby. Um, and then when it was my turn to go to high school, my dad is like, he's not sending me to box with high. He's going to send his youngest <laughs> and favorite son to uh, Victoria. So I got shipped off to uh, Solomon's College in Victoria. And I was sort of a, a good real, uh, like I was a good middle distance runner. Enjoyed the cross country at primary school and at the athletics. And when I got to St. Albans, those were not major sports. So the athletic season was three weeks and there was no cross country. And I tried my hand at water polo. It was not the best sort of sort of B team. And then eventually I got injured in the water polo pool and they said, okay, you need to pick a new sport. Um, so then after after the, the rowing coach found me, he said like, the, the rowing will really help your fitness and give you a good shot at, at sort of the athletic season. That's really gonna help, it's gonna make you fit, and make you strong. Come up come up to the sort of his house, he had a, the rowing machine in, he's like, jump on here, let me see what you got jumped on and he's just, I think he's just like, you're a natural. <laughs> he was just trying to, he was just trying to get me into the sport, get the numbers up. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where it started on a rowing machine in the, the coach's house. 
um, he convinced me and she just told me the sport is the harder you work the better you're going to get and it's a lot of endurance work and I thought this is me I've done middle distance my whole life I know how to work hard I enjoy I enjoy doing the, the long stuff and just went from strength to strength all of a sudden in sort of the, the A team A team reign pushing out really good results and I was like this is, this is my sport and then, and then never looked back I've seen it. I've seen it written that you that's an element of of rowing that 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 appeals to you is the hard training. I mean, it's obviously not something everyone can relate to, but you like that physical challenge and endurance every time you sit down. I would imagine in a boat. Some people, some people hate hate that going for going for a run, going um, sitting on the the rowing machine for two hours. It doesn't appeal to anyone. That that's that's no one. No one knows. The, the joy of the pain that you, you go through to to go through that suffering um, to push your body to the limit is the ultimate for us and, uh, very very few people know how to push the body to to its extreme to to see what you actually got and that's that's what we live for that's that's what we live with that that no one knows sort of that pressure and that that pain that what you can actually go through and to to live right on the edge it's what we chase. We chase most days, and that that high that you get off that that endorphin high is just something we, we we chase every day. And I think a few people really know what that feels like because they're never able to push their body to to that extent. They'll never want to as well. It's it's not pleasant in in the moment, but to to look what you can do is it's incredible. You guys can't be that easy to live with. Uh, I'd imagine it takes quite a supportive partner then to. To try and understand that psyche you've touched on now, uh, and relate it, and provide that support that you need. Yeah, for sure. Uh, luckily, uh, Nadine, my wife, she she was sort of SA SA water polo, and then transitioned into to rowing. She was at the London Olympics with me. Well, she weren't we weren't going out then, only after the Olympics. But yeah, she she understands 100, percent and she knows she's been through it. She knows how to support me now. We. It's it's been crazy. The Olympic year, you you sort of hope for for three weeks out of I don't know sixteen weeks of the year. So I've been on went on a three week camp, came home for for five days. We're on another three week camp. We're going home for five days. We're away for for five weeks till the end of the Olympic Games to to sort of live alone by yourself. Um, it's, it's it's not easy on the spouse. of sort of also it's not easy on you. You're so used to that relationship, so it's. In a professional athlete, yes, you get to, to travel the world, but it's, it's not easy because um, you miss the creature comforts of home, especially sort of yeah, in the suit suits. It's very, I would say, basic. There's not a there's not a lot of luxury out here. There's no shops. Um, you can buy some some coke and some biscuits. So yeah, it's just get straight for eat, sleep, and train. Um, so yeah, it's it's everyone thinks it's a very glamorous life. It's it's not a very glamorous life. It's so hard work. Even when we go off to to Europe, you you think you do a lot of sightseeing. We don't. We train. You go back to the hotel. You rest. You wait for the next session. You eat to recover. And if you don't see whatever you need to see on the way to the course, that's all the sightseeing you get. So it's. But you get to ride some of the top courses in the world. Some of the most magical places I've seen. I filled up. I filled up the, the passport and onto my second one. And I've seen seen things that I'd never see without without being without having the luxury of rain.
What about away from rowing, uh, John? I mean, there's no doubt that it's an all-consuming sport, and, and particularly at your level, it, it, it's incredibly all-consuming. But there's got to be some downtime, whether it's you know, during competition or or back home. You know, and what are some of the things you like to do to get away from rowing? We try to get our mind off the rowing when we're not rowing. It can, can be all-consuming, but it's also it's good to switch off. Um, any, it's actually, during the lockdown, during the COVID, I went to go stay with my, my parents again. They have a sort of nice big property and I stay, I got to stay with them because obviously you don't, you don't get a lot of family time with the, with the rain and to move, to move in there during lockdown, you know, just, we just ride every night having, having a nice bonfire, just got to spend so much time with my, with my folks that I had missed of the last sort of the 12 years to, so a blessing in disguise the, the COVID lockdown was actually really incredible just to spend that time that I'd missed over the last 12 years because you do, you waste so much and you only get to sort of see them once a week for a few hours to then spend all that quality time um, at home sharing sharing those memories um, eventually got out went sort of fishing with my dad we did a bit of bass fishing um, also we try to look to play a bit of golf here and there um, so it's yeah it's, it's very cool I don't mind, I'm not my dad we play, I play golf sort of with my mates and my, my brother and stuff but yeah it's very this is what I do my golf time, just relax, chill, chill with mates. Nothing too strenuous in the golf and fishing. Those are, those are good, good things. You don't want to go for a run with your friends. That's, <laughs> that's not that's what we're looking for. This was on a side note. When I explain the training to people, I tell them the easiest session of the week is on a Friday afternoon. We have a 10K run, which is done sort of... Um, five minutes to five and a half minutes recovery run. That's what we call it. So it's a, when I say that the rowing train is quite tough. To put it in perspective, I tell them the easiest session of the week is the, the five, the 10K run done at sort of just over five pace to recover the legs for the next day's hard work. So that, that puts it in perspective. That's what we, we look forward to, the, the recovery run. <laughs> I want to go back to, to 2012, John. I mean, there's a limited amount of people in the world who can... You can relate to that feeling of the very moment when you know you've crossed the finish line or hit a certain goal that means that you are going to be an Olympic gold medal winner. And in that moment, can you recall nine years ago what that felt like as you crossed the finish line to know that you were an Olympic gold medalist? Yeah, sort of pure elation. I remember coming to the, the final sprints, right? Matt right behind me. So last few strokes, he shouted, yes, yes, yes. The crowd's so massive, I can make it barely hear him and I think we've got this thing we're going to win this thing and as we cross the line I'm cheering I don't realise he's saying yes like we're going well but like we're winning and then when I watched after I'm like I can't believe how close it was but as we cross the line just pure elation cheering slapping the water um, but I was very young I was just 22 years old back then and I didn't quite realise what, what we had done I was like we just had an epic race we won this thing I'm super g up but you don't realize, I was quite young and naive, but when I look back now, I'm like, I've reached the pinnacle, I've, I've done what everyone has dreamed of, that like many people have dreamed of it. To look back and actually have done it, it's, I can't believe we did it, and it's, it's incredible. And I'm still here, chasing, chasing that again. I wanted one last time, and really didn't quite happen, but I'm, that's why we are, that's why we are day after day, killing ourselves just to get that again, that pure nation of just 
all the dreams come true. This is what we what we chase here, the Holy Grail. With that perspective in mind, having gone through that, like you said, as a 22-year-old youngster, and here you are nine years later, you're 31, going to Tokyo, how does that change your perspective or your experience going into trying to achieve exactly what you did with a different crew, but nine years later? No, the, the big thing is that, uh, like when you're young, when I was young like that, everything was so new and, and different, and everything was such an, a cool experience. Um, never knowing what's around the next corner. But now, after being in the game for so long, we know, we know what the work is, we know what we have to do, it's become more of like, you know what to expect. Nothing, nothing is new and a surprise anymore. Now you know, it's almost like you, you're more invested now, like I'm more, I'm sacrificing a lot more for, for the goal. So it's, it, when I was young, I was just like, I was just in this crew, but I don't know what, what is that, like these four amazing rows around me and, we're chasing this dream and we get it now. I know what the road is. I know how much work needs to go in. And everyone's getting better and I have to live that game and I have to. So now it's it's more. And I'm also, you, you put your life on hold to to go after this. So everything I'm sacrificing more and more and it becomes harder because it's not young and naive and it's, it's now it's this life. This is what you want. This is what you got to go after, and you realize what you have to sacrifice to get to the top, and that's that's the difference. Is that you? I know exactly what it's going to have to take. I've known the last eight years what it's going to have to take. So I went through the last cycle and I did everything I could do, and we managed. We got fourth place, and it burns me that I did everything I could, and I just didn't get results. That's how sport works. Lastly, John, very simply, can you, John Smith, Lawrence Britton, Carl Schoenby, and Sandra Torrente win gold in Tokyo? You best believe it. We are we're starting to get the belief. And although we, we're quite far, the last race, the British, the British beat us by, by quite the margin, that doesn't scare me. And we've got to race another really good crew of Australians. The, the USA are known, but... I'm not worried about them. I have a lot of belief in our crew. We have Sandro, who's come on. He's a sort of a, a prodigy. He's also young. Like I was young and super talented. We've got Carl. That's, he's, he's an outlier on the, on the performance of what he can, what he can produce. So belief in the team is, or well, we have no one else in that boat coming into the, the final sprint. So, um, I do do believe that this thing is this thing is on. I'm not sort of chasing. Can we can we win? Put us in the mix and let's see what we can do. That's just give me a sniff. Let's see what we can do. I'm not more worried about that than the end result. Let us fight. That's what we want to do. Yowzers, would you bet against him and his crew winning gold in Tokyo? Not me. He might like to bass fish, bry, and hit the odd golf ball. But pushing his body to the limit is clearly what gets John Smith going. Bet on him leaving it all on the water in Japan.